Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode two of the Virtual Young Jerks. We apologize for starting about 10 minutes late. This is the first time that I've set up a virtual panel with four other guests, and the streaming software was quite angry with me. However, today, as you all know, uh, we're doing an experiment, having uh, announced the format change for the Young Jerks just a few days ago. We are now uh, going to host our first panel. And that's why today you'll see I have four people with me, and uh, all four of them have expertise in the main topic that we're going to be discussing on the show. And that topic today is going to be all about home grow for patients who might be worried right now about their supply of medicine, and for patients or consumers who might be interested in learning about how to get a grow off the ground, and once that grow is off the ground, what one should do to maintain it. So I'll do a quick introduction of each of the four panelists, then we'll go through, let them say hello, let them tell you a little bit about their history with cannabis, and then we'll just go through a discussion. So we have Sean Birdie, who is with EBG Farms, uh, which is a prospective retail dispensary in Boston, a former Boston firefighter, and I'm sure he'll be able to tell you more about his story. He's also been a frequent guest on The Young Jerks, uh, so we're glad to have him back uh, with us. Uh, next, we have Avril Andra Andre. Avril, how, how do you say your last name? It's my first Andrade. time saying it. Andrade. Andrade. Avril Andrade. And Avril and her husband, Nate, run Between the Rows, which is a, uh, an economic empowerment applicant in the state of Massachusetts, uh, two local farmers who are looking, looking to open a co-op uh, recreational cannabis business. Uh, yep. Next, we, we have uh, Chauncey Spencer from the 420 in Madison, uh, Mattapan in Boston. Chauncey was the first economic empowerment applicant to submit an application in the city of Boston. And Chauncey is also someone who has a large amount of experience related to the cannabis plant itself. So I'm very excited to have him with us. And last but not least, we have my friend Ed D'Souza who's with River Run Gardens, which is a provisionally licensed micro business in the state of Massachusetts. Uh, so Ed is uh, an applicant who's going through the state process to open a micro grow, uh, so a licensed uh, recreational micro grow. And uh, we'll definitely look forward to hearing Ed tell us all about what it's like to go through that process. So. Starting with Sean, uh, if you each want to take just a minute or two to introduce yourself, your history with the cannabis plant, and anything else you want to say. Sure. So um, I'm not going to get into the, my history with the cannabis plant. It's <laughs> quite, quite lengthy. Um, you know, I, like most of us, we started at uh, probably too young of an age. Um, but I um, got to a point in my life a while back where I decided I didn't want to spend money um on it anymore and, and i figured if it's a plant you got to be able to grow it so i taught myself um with a book how to do that and you know through trial and error um it started doing okay and um got the middleman out uh i i see that mike brace has joined us as well uh mike we we would actually love to have you on the panel if you'd like to join us 
Oh, I just kind of thought I was calling in, but what's going on, guys? Uh, no, hey. you know, we, we were going to take call-ins a little later, but if you just want to hang out with us for a little bit, we're going to finish going through the introduction, and then uh, I'd love to have you uh, stay for the panel, if you don't mind. Yeah, that's cool. Bianca's here, too. Hello. Oh, hello, Bianca. So, uh, th this is a, a unexpected guest. I should tell the viewers, the way that our software works these days is that uh, we allow people to call in by video or by phone these days. So uh, as we have folks uh, who want to ask questions today, uh, they'll be able to join either by calling the number in the post of the uh, live stream or by uh, video if they have Zoom installed. Mike uh, and his um, uh, partner Bianca uh, are um, applicants in the state queue, however, and they both also have experience with the cannabis plant. So I'm asking them to, to stay on with us and uh, let's continue with the introductions though. So uh, Avril, please. Um, my name is Avril. I meet my husband and I started Between the Rows LLC as a craft cannabis cooperative. Um, we've been fight for a couple of years to overturn the prohibition bans in our community. They finally got overturned back in February. So now we're, you know, taking the path down that we're farmers by trade. So um, we grow, uh, we also own a produce farm in our community. And my history is with cannabis is that I've been a longtime cannabis user. I have um, a couple of very serious autoimmune disorders. So I use cannabis as medicine and my husband's been growing it for me for, uh, we say as long as he legally could, so that uh, I could have quality medicine. That's about it about me. Well, thank you. Um, Chauncey, if you'd be so kind. Yeah, um, well again, um, I'm the first applicant in the city of Boston economic empowerment um you know i found i put the application in because i thought it was a good opportunity um to uh, start a business and using some some skills that i i um i had from from uh, growing up um my background more or less is um you know i knew people who uh, you know sold marijuana around me um and uh, I participated in it also one way or another when I was very young. Um, but then I ended up going to school and getting an education, coming back and uh, returned and heard about a, a method of cultivating cannabis called um, hydroponics. And then I never looked back. Um, I, I um, began to uh, grow. It was very interesting. I was able to use my, my background in, in uh, biochemistry to apply it to um, you know, nutrient development and, and then, you know, a few other hobbies that I had. Um, I began uh, using my my um, background and, and um, well, other hobbies I picked up, other skills I picked up, like uh, electronic um, uh, uh, electrical design and, and things like that to build equipment also. So I began um, just going down the, the path of making equipment for, for cultivating cannabis either through hydroponics or also aeroponics. And so, um, yeah, that's um, more or less my background. And so, you know, I just never liked going into the hydro store and buying anything and spending any money. So I learned how to build my own lights. I learned how to build my own um, ozone generators, my, make my own nutrients, um, you know. So, yeah, I just refuse to, to spend money on, on uh, anything that involves uh, uh, growing cannabis. So essentially, been my background. Great, uh, Ed. 
Yeah, I'm, uh, my name is Ed D'Souza. I'm a uh, managing partner for River Run Gardens. Uh, I first got into cannabis, um, I guess I'll take uh, Averill's approach and say, since it's been legal, <laughs> uh, <laughs> like all of us, um, never did a bad thing before it became legal. So um, cannabis to me is, uh, it's a blessing. It's something that I have really looked hard into since my mother passed uh, back in 2004. And uh, I always wondered whether at that point uh, cannabis would have been able to uh, relieve some of the symptoms she had because she passed from cancer. Um, and she passed and it just always was on my mind. So I got involved with cannabis <laughs> more than recreationally. Uh, got into it medicinally. Uh, fast forward a number of years, I think I was about 32, 33 when I developed rheumatoid arthritis. And uh, the doctors would want to pump me in with uh, things like methotrexide and other types of drugs that were, you know, basically a low-grade form of chemotherapy. Uh, I would always be sick uh, after taking this stuff. So uh, I decided to supplement it with marijuana. And now I've, I don't take anything from my arthritis, um, but at the same time, I can't function without having a, uh, you know, a couple of uh, joints throughout the day. Um, so I learned to grow it because obviously using uh, cannabis as a medicine is expensive. And as soon my, my first plant turned into 10 plants, turned into 20 lights, turns into, you know, it just goes on and on and on and on. And, one day I found myself uh, wondering if I could turn this into a business. 2016 happened, started uh, working towards a uh, micro business license. And on February 6th of this year, we were granted a provisional license by the Cannabis Control Commission. Um, one of hopefully many that will be coming uh, in the next couple of months. So uh, my expertise is multifaceted. I would say that I'm a um, jack of all trades, master of nothing. So uh, that's my story. Well, thank you very much, Ed. Um, Mike, if you uh, would like to tell us a little bit about uh, your company and your story. Absolutely. So, hey, what's going on? Uh, it's Mike and Bianca here. Hello. Uh, we are the uh, co-founders of Deep Roots, uh, also a micro business out of Oxbridge. Um, you know, we met in 2013 and, you know, pretty, pretty soon after we were like, yep, this is, you know, she's the one, you know, this is going to be it. We wanted to work together. We wanted to have a business together, you know, and, uh, we never really, you know, we went back and forth for years on what we were going to do. And we were always like enthusiasts, you know, we've been, I've been smoking weed for damn near 20 years, 15 years at least. Um, so, you know, <clears throat> but we were teachers, so we couldn't just be like, yeah, I love weed and, you know, it's great until legalization. Uh, so it happened and, uh, we thought we were going to be getting into this, like something like happened at the beginning in Colorado. Um, whereas you could, you know, cultivate from home, have the product tested and sell to uh, a legal dispensary. Um, and as the regs started trickling out, it was pretty obvious that wasn't going to happen. Um, however, at that point we were hooked. We were like, this is where we got to be this. I mean, just look at who's, who we're talking to today. Some of the best people we've ever met. It was the Harvest Cup. 
Yeah. <laughs> the, first, the first Harvest Cup, we went just as consumers. Um, and we walked in and we were like, yup, this is, this is what we need to do. Um, yeah, roped our families into it. And <laughs> yeah, and just last week, we got marked complete, finally. Um, so, uh, you know, of course, that throws a monkey wrench into some things with the uh, fingerprinting situation. Uh, Bianca and I were able to get ours done, but I'm not sending our immunocompromised individuals to go get fingerprinted right now. It's absurd. So I've had some communication with the commission and um, we filled out what they call a waiver request form. Um, and they seem amenable, especially, I mean, they did the thing with telehealth they, they released yesterday. So it looks like they're, um, you know, they're, they're at least going to consider it. Um, I mean, they're doing Corey checks too. Um, also, just about everybody in our company has been fingerprinted for one reason or another. Um, so that's kind of where we stand, but, uh, you know, we're, uh, we're just happy to be here with all these awesome people. We love you all. Well, that's great. I'm very glad to have you here with us. I'm, it was a very pleasant surprise. I'm glad uh, to have you all here. Um, and really the point of this episode, not only as sort of a, a trial run with the format of a virtual panel, which I think is actually really an awesome opportunity to bring together people whose schedules might not always overlap. So it's very, it's really a unique opportunity. And the theme today is homegrown. And it's something you all know a lot about. And so I feel like a patient or a consumer who's coming into this episode without any knowledge of growing is how I'm going to present this first question. So a person comes to you and they've never grown before, they've used cannabis medicinally, recreationally for years, and they want to learn the first basic steps, what basic equipment they would have to obtain, what they would need to do to begin the process of getting a seed either in the ground or if they're growing inside in uh, soil. So uh, I'll leave this as an open question. Whoever wants to start off uh, with the basic steps, please take the floor. I, I'll start with this one, Grant. Please. I always ask somebody what, uh, what their needs are. How much do you need to consume uh, in order to survive? Uh, all the equipment that's used is very expensive. Um, and the bigger, more extravagant the equipment gets, the more <laughs> So I would say come up with what you need on a weekly or monthly basis, and then you can base what your purchasing requirement will be off of that. You know, if you only need a half ounce every couple weeks, there's no need of spending the money on a thousand watt high-pressure sodium lamp, um, you can get a smaller LED, um, but that's where I would start. So um, maybe just as that person asking you that question, if I'm thinking about the most basic setup possible before I even get my seeds, what components am I going to need? You mentioned a light, you mentioned uh, some other elements, uh, so what would you recommend that folks actually look to bringing into their home to do the grow. Is it is it cool if I jump in on that one real Please, quick? Please, anytime, anytime. All right, so, you know, when I started, I planted my first seed the day legalization happened, because as a teacher, I couldn't take the risk. So I had no idea what I was doing, no clue of anything. Accurate. <laughs> I spent, and, and, and right now, people have an awesome opportunity 
because you know we're getting close mm -hmm. to the outdoor season. So you can really get away. I bought like a $60 Amazon LED cheapo depot light and I and I used um the insulation, the, uh, yeah, paneling. The insulation paneling that has the reflective um, back on one side <clears throat> so you can get that at Home Depot um, I don't know if that kind of thing is going to get delivered right now um, but really you don't even need it I just had a little extra reflection and and I I cut it so I made a little closet kind of out of it a sealed closet and, and I put it right in front of a window which was a bad idea so don't do that <laughs> Um, again, I had no idea what I was doing. So, uh, and I just, you know, put a little hook in the ceiling, hung the light. And, and if you're only vegging in there, you know, pop some seeds right now. You don't need a lot of energy because you're going to just grow these plants big enough to bring them outside in a couple of weeks, maybe a month or two. I, can I add something to that, Mike? Yeah. So, um, as a first timer, if they have the option, Go for an auto flower because you don't want to have yeah. to sit there and wonder when to uh, flip if you're going to have it inside or all that. You're just going to see the results of the plant taking place. And if not an I'm auto flower, that. definitely a feminized seed. Yeah. 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 For the um, first round. Can, can I ask uh, for some of our viewers who might be saying, oh, what is the distinction between an auto flower seed, a feminized seed, uh, when I purchase a seed, what am I going to get? Uh, could, could someone explain the difference? Yeah, well, maybe we could talk about uh, the life cycle of a plant. Actually, um, if, we, if we start there, I think that would probably answer several other questions, but let's, let's answer that one for, for, for starters, though. Um, uh, the difference between because a uh, uh, um, marijuana plant is um, has genders, uh, it has male and a female, right? And so uh, the male is more or less useless. You know, we want to kill them. We want you don't want to do anything with them. <laughs> you see a male, drown it, and make sure it never shows up ever again. And it has its own anatomy. Um, we like to say it has male parts. It'll look like a male. Whereas a, a female plant is the one that you're going to consume. And that one is, it, it has um, hairs. And uh, when that em emerges, um, you'll know that it's a, a female plant. So we always, before we start, want to shoot for the female plant. We always want the female plant. And we want to get female seeds, if possible, or autoflower seeds, which are um, female and they, they uh, they flower automatically, as their name implies, um, and and flowering is another part of the uh, uh, life cycle of a, of a, man, a marijuana plant. So I guess maybe we want to talk about the, the life cycle of the plant now, right? Um, so if you get a seed, um, you'll want to germinate that seed, meaning hatch it, assuming that you're not getting it from from a clone. Now. Um, when you hatch your your um, your uh, uh, seed, what you want to do is put your seed in maybe a wet paper towel and cover it up, put it, seal it up, put it in a bag or something like that. And um, yes, exactly. So you'll put it on a paper towel. It'll look, look similar to that, and it'll grow that long little stem out of it. Um, I forget the the actual um, terminology for that. That uh. Uh, thank you. What, what was so, the what was the formal name of the white part? Taproot. Thank you, Sean. Yep. Thanks. 
And so when that emerges, you'll want to insert that into um, a plug, which would likely be uh, Rockwell. Maybe that's the, the, the um, actually, excuse me, let me slow down there because we have a lot of uh, soul growers here. So let me, let me hand it over to uh, some of the other folks who want to take over. <laughs> My apologies. Well, see, oh. oh, go ahead. Sorry. Well, I was just going to say, us being farmers by trade, we do it a slightly different process. Um, we actually do our soil mixes from our natural soil um, process. And then we just put a little small divot in the top of the soil and plant our seed and cover it gently with soil. And then for, you know, a couple of days until it sprouts, we just mist it with a spray bottle to create that natural environment, you know, out in the, in the wild, you don't technically, you know, no plant in the wild is started by a napkin in a Ziploc bag or, you know, in, in nature, we don't use those techniques. So we try to keep our techniques as close to possible. So we just start it in a small, like solo cup sized container. My husband actually, he gave me a bunch of his little plants to show you oh. guys. This is one right here. Um, but like I said, we just like fill it with the soil. We put holes in the bottom so that they have proper irrigation. And um, we set the seed like that, and just until it sprouts, we spray it with a spray bottle just to not dislodge the seed because you don't want your seed to end up, you know, if you pour a cup of water or whatever water into your small container like that, you could just lodge that seed, and all of a sudden your seed, instead of having your plant in the middle of the cup, it's, you know, coming out the side of the cup or something. So for uniformity purposes, we try to keep it everything the same so we do it that way and that also avoids the have to use of rock wool or any of those substrates that go into the soil but i know sean said he does cocoa so i don't know what cocoa does i've i've done both the um for my germination um i try to replicate as you said what happens in nature i just take the seeds and put them in a shot glass full of water and put them in a cupboard for 48 hours it's dark room temperature uh, 48 hours you'll see that taproot emerge and then I'll I'll use whatever whatever medium I'm using at the time right now it's cocoa uh, I just use a, a pencil you know eraser side to make a hole in the top and drop the seed in and you don't have to worry about uh, seed being upside down it will it will orient itself uh, accordingly yeah, I've broken a lot of tap roots trying to make sure that in the past, and then I realized, what am I doing here? Just let nature do its thing. <laughs> right, right. I guess, Grant, and do you guys use a dome? Question. Um, if you're dealing with somebody who's new, trying to grow at home, um, you heard here we have multiple ways of propagating a seed so that the new user shouldn't be compelled to follow this or that way but to rather experiment and find out what works best for them because you know from all the answers that you've heard here i have i'll throw another uh, one out instead of soaking my seed in water in a shot glass i soak my seed in humic acid and then i go ahead and plant it so you know there are so many different ways to attack this uh this goal here um the user should just you know, go at it without the blinders on. 
I always tell people their very first goal, your goal is to get to the end. That's it. You just need to get it in. Don't think about it. Just go with it. Do what feels right and get to the end. Yeah, and then you'll be yeah, and then you'll be able to say, ooh, I should have done this, I could have done that, I would have done this. And at that stage your grow, you make it better than your first grow. And just don't put all your you know, all your chickens in that one basket of that first grow, because you're gonna make a mistake. <laughs> 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 and and well, do you guys use uh, humidity domes when you're working with uh, uh, soil? Um, I, because I have I have a, a humidity dome right here, and this is what we use to um, to start. Disappearing. Whoa! I use a heating pad. Actually, can you guys see it? Nope. No, you're like disappearing. <laughs> oh, sorry. It, it, Chauncey, it's someone. I was trying to, to get a little. It somewhat came to, through, but because it's a clear plastic, your background mm -hmm. makes the uh, clear plastic invisible. Oh, geez. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. But, now, um, but could, could you explain what it is and what, what it is that it, you're asking? I was trying to show humidity domes. And um, usually when we start getting to the seedling stage, we want to put them in humidity domes, but I don't know if you guys do that um, for for soil. Maybe your um, your environment. Uh, I'm assuming that you guys would grow in tents if we're talking about indoors, or do you guys just leave it to the? Um, uh, do you just leave the the uh, uh, plant to the elements of the indoor environment? I've done both. Because um, the dome, I've noticed, it's I, I seem to have a little bit better uh, results indoors. But I mean, it's not like it was a. It was something that I got probably in, on my fifth or sixth grow. I started using it. So. We didn't introduce humidity domes until we started cloning. Yeah, mm. I think okay. that's around when I did too. Yeah. That's so maybe I can ask this. Um, you've all obviously been through multiple grows. As a person who's just getting into it, uh, if they were to come to you, uh, how many grows did it take before you produced a product you felt comfortable smoking or using for medicinal purposes? I mean, my first grow was my favorite grow ever. Mm. I still think back and go, wow, that was the best weed I've ever smoked. It probably wasn't great. And there were these like <laughs> very like yeah. you could like broke right in your but it but it was. But I, yeah. it was the first one. It was special. It wasn't a lot. <laughs> no. So Grant. Um, Ed, Ed, go ahead. My uh, brother in law has this saying. He's a um, he has a bunch of uh, martial arts studios. And he's uh, very highly ranked. And his students always go up to him and ask him, um, so what belt was a favorite that you got? And he always says, my first. Because you're going to continue to learn throughout the journey, but you're never going to be as satisfied as you were that first time. So essentially, I mean, I guess you could call it chasing the dragon in a sense because you're always going to find the next best thing, but it's never going to equal that first uh, harvest you got. True. And True. I think when you're growing it yourself, you know what's been put into that. We spent many and many years. Everybody can play. You know, we all talk, but we spent many years smoking some 
awful brick weed that we got from anywhere. <laughs> so no matter what you grow yourself, it's going to be better than that stuff we were smoking back in the late 80s and the 90s and all that time frame. So I... Our first grow, we absolutely smoked it. We smoked every grow after that. And, you know, every time it gets better, everyone has its good points. Everyone, you know, even now, all these years in, my husband will, you know, will light a button. He'll be like, mm, not a fan of that one. I had a humidity issue like four days back in July. And I'm just, well, I'm like, I think it's awesome. So it, you know, no matter what you do to it, you're still it's still better than anything that you smoked way back in the day. So I say smoke your first grow and enjoy it and like love it. Always try and save a nug, but it never stays. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I yeah. from the sense I get from what you've all said here is that anyone listening right now who's never grown before but is interested and you know maybe is hesitant but you know is about to make the decision you'd tell them that it's absolutely worth it just to try it because they'll get hooked. Yep. Absolutely. 100%. You will never go back. Nope. Don't waste your money on a tent. Just buy some tarps. Seriously, all you need to do is make sure that you're getting no light inside that, uh, you know, inside that area for uh, the darkness period. Tarps work just as, uh, just as well, and oftentimes you can go ahead and expand it if you decide you want to go bigger. Can yeah, we, um, I, I built my own tent. I built my own tents out of uh, um, uh, PVC pipe and and uh, polyethylene, black polyethylene, and yeah. use get the uh, six millimeter um, thickness, and you could just build your own. They have uh, a little. They have the zippers that you can use to to get in and out, and uh, yeah, I would definitely recommend that. Um, Ed, you mentioned the darkness period, and uh, you know people are probably wondering, because a lot of people, when they think of indoor grows, they think of, you know, like the cabinet that you mentioned, and you're, you're saying that they can use a tarp, but what do you mean by the darkness period? Can, can you explain how the grow will actually happen in that sense? Yeah, so um, plants like humans and other species, uh, they require rest. And a lot of times uh, the plant production will take place during those rest periods. So uh, when you're working with cannabis specifically, uh, there's a couple of different cycles you can work with with this plant. Um, there's a, when you're vegging the plant or early in its life, you want more light going to the plant. Whereas when it's time to start flowering and bring this plant to the end of its life cycle, you want less light. Uh, typically, people work within a period of either 24 hours on, 18 hours on, 12 hours off. Uh, 12 hours off tends to be, the for flowering, the period that most people will say um, allows the plant to flower without uh, pushing it to the point that it wants to reproduce. Um, and that's where you get seeds and other uh, foxtailing and other issues that can happen with the plant. But, um, you know, uh, we got tons of people here that know way more than I do. So I'm curious to see their opinions on the dark period. Yeah, the 1212, the we call it 1212, um, we'll just um, uh, uh, set timers. And that's one thing that you might need. And I think I have a timer with me. Um, yep, right here. 
um, you can buy these from Home Depot and put your light on a timer. Um, hopefully, you guys, so everything's always going out. I shouldn't have used this background. But yeah, you'll set your, your lights on, on timers to go off at a period in which you, likely you'll be sleeping um, and you'll want the light to be on during the daytime hours in which you're going to be going into the tent and checking on things. Um, that's something to, to also be um, uh, uh, conscious of. So um, yeah, there's the, the day period and the night period. Do not interrupt your, your night period. So what that means is that when your plants are sleeping, do not interrupt them. What that can cause is, is uh, Hermes. Your plant, which is typically a female, will be, exhibit uh, male behaviors. If you start poking around there during the daytime uh, or you know, poking around during its uh, sleep rest period and exposing it to light. And there's one thing I'd like to jump in and say that um, for the first time growers, especially the patient who might have some financial you know, conflicts with it, um, you do need to have your light timer set up at a time frame that is when you can go into there. But I tell a lot of them if they can have like those light cycles on from midnight to 4 a.m., those are the off-peak hours for your electric company. Yep. So the electric rate is actually actually cheaper. So if you're already struggling, you know, a lot of times that's one of the things they're scared of is that first electric bill where it's like, oh, all of a sudden my electric bill went up. So if they can work it where those hours um, their on hours are between midnight and 4 a.m. and hit those off-peak electric hours, it can save them quite a bit on their electric bills. Yeah, and I would also recommend using fluorescent. If you can use a fluorescent during your vegetative hours, yep. and then when you go into flowering, use um, a, a more powerful light, like a LED or a, a HBS, that would be uh, and I should say high-pressure sodium. That's the type of lighting a lot of us are going to be using. Um, and then again, maybe some are going to be using LEDs. I don't know. But um, but when you're flowering, you're going to be wanting to use those two. Do not try and use a fluorescent bulb during your flower period because um, you won't particularly like the results. Um, but but anyhow, yeah. So you'll, you'll want to... Um, to use the, that, that, uh, those types of lights. Okay. Um, add to that? Uh, one thing that popped into my mind as you guys were having that conversation is obviously there are some things you know now that you didn't know back when you were just learning how to grow like a lot of us are at, the, at this time. Um, Maybe one or two things you would have told yourself back then, you know, uh, unforeseen issues you ran into that maybe you uh, could provide some advice on. Can I start this one? Please, <laughs> go, go ahead. ahead. All right. The one thing I wish, and I started growing before, way before legalization, so I never had anyone to turn to other than a book. And no books that I found will tell you this, but if you are experiencing any problems with your indoor garden, 99.99% of the time, it is pH related. Do not think it's a nutrient deficiency. Do not think it's nutrient toxicity. It is pH related. There, uh, your plants, a you know, uh, marijuana plant uh, likes an acidic medium. Uh, if it's hydroponic, it likes to be even more acidic. So on a scale of 0 to 14, 
seven being neutral, we like to stay below seven. Um, six to seven for soil, I know people that stick around 6.3 to 6.5. Um, hydroponics, depending on the medium, gets even lower. Uh, again, I'm in cocoa, so my, my pH is strictly 5.6, 5 5.7. Um, if there is something on the plant that's happening that causes you to think something's wrong, it is because your pH pen hasn't been calibrated or uh, your, your pH is too high or low. That's where your problems will almost always lie. It's not, you know, a lot of these bottled nutrients, if you're hydroponic, they're formulated for marijuana. Um, use it as uh, the charts that they typically come with say to use them. Um, and if you're experiencing a problem, it's because of your pH pen being not calibrated correctly or not being stored correctly. And I wish somebody had told me that earlier on. Now you, uh, I, I'm asking. Can I jump in and piggyback off of his question, off of his answer? Yes, let me just get one clarification um, because there was a term that Sean used that I didn't know. So I'm, I'm thinking some people watching might not know. You called it a, a pH pen, was it, Sean? Sure. So it's a meter that you. Um, so be, when your water comes out of the tap, depending on where uh, you your your source comes from. My source is in Boston. It's, it's very basic. I think it comes out of the tap around eight. To 8.2. When you add your yeah. when you add your nutrients to that water, uh, it's going to bring that pH level down. You'll end up somewhere um, around. Well, I end up somewhere around the seven mark. So then I have to use um, a pH down, which which is a, is a separate from nutrients, um, and. And I, and I bring that down to the levels that I'm looking for. In order to find out what those levels are, I use my meter, which is a pH pen. Uh, you don't need the expensive $200 Blue Labs. You can get the little $40 HANA uh, jobs off Amazon, and they'll do it fine. But you've got to, when you, get, when you purchase these pH pens, even the, le lesser, uh, the least expensive ones, you've got to calibrate them correctly immediately and then have them stored correctly when you're not using them. If those bulbs, they, so there's a little glass bulb at the end of these pH pens that measure the total, the, the dissolved solids and in, in the pH in, of the solution. If that glass bulb dries out, it throws off the calibration. And once you've thrown off the calibration one or two times, the pen's done, you need a new one. Gotcha. Thank you. A Averill, I'm so sorry. Please go ahead. No, I was just going to say with the question about what somebody would have told you before, it piggybacked off him was that when you're new to growing, you need to check your pHs after you put in any nutrients if you're using any nutrients. Because like he, he explained there a little more, you know, once you add in your nutrients, it brings down a lot of communities raise their, uh, well, change the pHs in their pipes to prevent leaching of lead and toxicities from their piping. So that's why it comes out at such like eights or in our community at, at mine, my water will come out at an 8.4, 8.6 from the pipe. But once you put your nutrients in 
and you know when you're first starting to grow you don't necessarily know that so you check your pH you pH your water then you throw your nutrients in now you've just tanked your pH levels can I add to that yeah. uh, so this uh, this I guess kind of combines into your original question with the uh, learning something I never realized that the pH of your base affects the nutrients you're mixing it with. So for example, uh, you could spend a lot of money on good nutrients. And if you don't know what the pH uh, base is to mix with that nutrient, it could not, it could break it down too fast. So by the time it actually gets to the root of your plant, it, there's nothing left of it. So you gotta make sure that not only are you pHing your water, uh, before you add nutrients, you pH it afterwards, but you also need to know the pH breakdown of the nutrient you're mixing with, or else you're just wasting money. Um, Ed, that's fascinating. Could you explain a little more uh, for someone who might be interested in learning about how to find out the pH breakdown of a nutrient? Is that information provided when you buy the nutrient? It all depends on the company. Uh, the majority of these companies out there are marketing geniuses, uh, whether they're throwing half-naked ladies on the bottle or they're throwing cartoons that show like big buds and stuff. Um, that's, I mean, that's their approach. Um, there's not a lot of companies out there that will advertise the ingredients of their nutrients, even though they should. Uh, I know if you look at advanced versus coast to Maine, um, you know, in terms of, well, one's a, uh, a medium, the other is a, a nutrient, uh, but the same idea is uh, taken of both, that one's going to go ahead and show, hey, this contains this, 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 and this, well, the other's going to say, oh, we have this, but it's not going to tell you how much of it is in. What you really need to do is learn what's inside the nutrient uh, so you understand why you're applying that nutrient. Um, <laughs> As uh, I think Avril said earlier, there's a lot of things that happen in nature without uh, human intervention that causes these things to grow in the first place. So if you go ahead and you aid its growth as opposed to pumping its steroids, uh, the you're going to get a much better product. Does that does that sound too too technical? You think that might be too technical for the guys at home who are just starting out? No. Well, I think that this uh, resource that we're building here is is functioning in a few different ways. Uh, one is that people who might be uh, a little bit further along in the process are probably following along a little better. But also, someone who starts today may be able to go back and watch this video mm -hmm. a few weeks or months from now. And so even though there's technical jargon in here, I feel like it'll still provide a useful resource. But definitely something to keep in mind is that most of the audience watching right now is probably just learning how to approach a grow. And so uh, any information you have that you might want to share with them, don't hesitate. We actually have well, a viewer question. Um, okay. Yeah, I was just going to say, here, here's an interesting um, tidbit, uh, or not interesting, but uh, encouraging one for everyone, is that that cannabis is um, a weed. It grows like a weed. <laughs> you could treat it as such, and it'll, it'll bounce back. Um, it, it, you know, so don't be scared. Um, and I know this might sound like a lot of information. Really, sometimes it might seem a little overwhelming, but trust me, um, you can make mistakes, but just don't overdo it. You probably want to put less in 
in regards to nutrients and uh, and do less less the least amount of work will will um will uh, uh prevent you from from overdoing and hurting the plant so um a little you know baby steps as you're moving through the process uh will will protect you from um uh, hurting the plant so i just wanted to throw that little bit of uh um encouragement in there and uh <clears throat> grant <clears throat> i have one quick thing um one thing you know you mentioned that i wish that i had known from the beginning um is don't take clones from anyone else <laughs> no never <laughs> don't do it you don't want to deal with spider mites forever you don't want them you, uh, like so, so can we this, this is great because it brings up a question i think a lot of people have probably wanted to ask but maybe they may not have gotten a chance to so uh, you can grow the cannabis plant uh, a few different ways, from seed or, or from clone. Uh, Mike or anyone, uh, could you take us through the distinction between growing a cannabis plant from a seed and growing it from a clone? Um, all right. Well, I can take that, you know, just quickly here. So, uh, you know, if you're growing from a seed, uh, you know, you're you're starting fresh. You know, it's your best option in, in, in most people's opinions because you have that tap root right so it's your best up uptake of nutrients um etc but you know so let's say that you um you have a seed that you plant and um you have really interesting characteristics without getting too technical you know it, it has great it has a great taste it's really unique whatever um we call it a pheno but you want to keep that plant you want to keep that that same taste you want to grow it again you can take a clipping, um, you know, uh, of, of the plant um, and essentially grow roots off of that clipping. And that's called a clone. Um, and it's, it's great if you have a clone, if you have a genetics that you really like and you want to keep growing. Um, but it gets dangerous when you don't know where that clone came from. If somebody has a clean grow, what if they have powdery mildew? What if they have spider mites? So that's what I was warning against. Now, this is actually excellent because one of the things that I wanted to make sure we covered today is exactly that, which is we talked a little bit about things that can go wrong with the grow, uh, the pH level being off, uh, people using too much, too little nutrients. But there are a lot of other issues that can happen to a grow that are actually very dangerous, uh, mold, etc. So um, qu open question to all of you. Can you take us through what are some of the dangers that can happen to a poorly grown bud? And how do you keep an eye out for those dangers during the growing process? Making sure that your plant is healthy is, is, um, is key. Getting rid of leaves um, that, are, that, are, um, that have fallen off or might be dying, you get rid of them because um, they're, they're breeding grounds for, for, um, for uh, uh, all types of problems. So, uh, and those problems look like, as uh, Mike was just talking about spider mites, they are the bane of our existence. They, they don't go away. It doesn't matter what you, you can use nuclear weapons. You can, you know, it doesn't matter. They, they, I don't know what they're made of, but they just do not leave. And so uh, to avoid that, to avoid aphids. Um, now there are other, things that you can do, like get ladybugs and 
other beneficial um, and and uh, uh, you know other predators for those those pests. Um, but prevention, you know, goes a long way. So one keep I like tents because they they are a second layer between um, you know the bugs coming in your house and and the, you know latching on. You know, definitely don't bring them in with with other clones and and from people that you don't know. Um, people would just say in general, just don't bring them. You know, that's that's ideal, right? Um, but but uh, uh, yeah, so um, yeah, yeah. So th those are the things to, to to watch out for. And I do a little simple thing where I, I have a box fan in my my grow, and I'll just um, attach on the back of it a filter from uh, AC unit. I use one of the uh, uh, the really good air filters, and I'll tape it on the back of it, and it and it uh, cleans the the room out of um, a lot of uh, airborne particles and things like that. But also having a carbon filter, and we didn't talk about that. Odor mitigation is another thing that also helps keeping your room um, uh, clean of uh, um, you know fungus and things like that. So if you have a carbon filter with a which is a it's a um, um, it's a it's a filter, but it looks like a, a, a small wastebasket attached to a fan, and you'll want to have that in your room to to eliminate the uh, the the odor that that a plant might produce. Um, that also cleans your room too, um, not just of odor, but of of um, of uh, um, you know contaminants. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah. Somebody want to piggyback on on uh, would... some other mention. I would definitely like to add that just because some product says that it's safe for your tomatoes and, you know, if you have powdery mildew, spray this because it's safe for your tomatoes, do not spray that on your cannabis that, you know, these products, I've had many people, we've gone to help them, and they're like, well, I have this white powder, and I went to the grow shop, and they gave me this bottle, and it has a tomato on it, so it must be okay. Tomatoes grow outside, so they're subject to rain, they're subject to dew, they're subject to the outdoor elements, so the stuff gets washed off. Your cannabis doesn't get washed, so do not spray it with neem oil or all these, especially in the flowering cycle. Your cannabis, just as it grows, those particles go into it and you can't wash them out and it's just really dangerous. And, and I think that's a big thing I've had a lot of people mention to me that, oh, like I said, I got it at the grow shop and it has a tomato on it, so it's safe and it's not safe. Don't spray your stuff with your cannabis with random products that are meant for produce. Uh, Absolutely. Ed, Ed, Sean, uh, any uh, uh, insight uh, you either of you might uh, have related to things like spider mites, mold, anything like that? I've battled spider mites twice, <clears throat> and I keep a very clean grow room. I mean, spotless, clean, um, because I'm, I'm, I just grow hydroponically. I don't use um, any ladybugs or praying mantis or my, my, my preventative measure is to keep things clean. Mm -hmm. um, what I, where I got into um, a little bit of trouble was accepting clones from someone who practices true living organics. Um, you know, the, the soil is feeding the plant and they're feeding their soil. Um, so, so it's more of, that you know the soil farming is more tending to the 
to the earth than it is the plant itself. The earth in, in turn will take care of the plant. Um, but part of their part of these growers' um, systems, ecosystems, is bugs. Um, good bugs, bad bugs, they're, they're all part of the system. Um, that's not something you want to bring into a completely sterile room full of hydroponics. Um, the only, and, and I've, I've tried it all, the bombs, the sprays, the neem oil, which you don't want to consume anyway. Um, nothing worked. The only thing that worked for me was to let my rooms lie fallow for many months. Um, and then eventually the bugs will go somewhere else for their food source. And then you can pick back up and I haven't had problems since. That is the only way I have battled the um, spider mites successfully. Yep, same. Just burn the house down. Just burn it. Essentially, just walk, yeah. away. <laughs> walk, walk away. I've walked away for six months uh, at a time, twice. Mm. Um, so one, one thing that came up, and we are almost at an hour, which is roughly what we're looking at, but one more uh, topic maybe to uh, give some people some insight. Uh, it was briefly mentioned, odor mitigation. Now, for someone like me, I hear odor mitigation and I think, oh, uh, that's part of a plan that an applicant has to submit when applying for a license, right? Uh, odor mitigation. But when you're doing a home grow, uh, can you explain a little bit about uh, how, what the odor situation is going to be like and why mitigating that odor is so important? Well, if, if you're a person that doesn't like the smell of cannabis, then, then it could be a problem. Um, and that might be your neighbors or something like that. You know, like, you know, I love to smell. It smells like, like a lot of things to me. It smells like money. It smells like, <laughs> it smells like uh, some of them. So, um, yeah, you'll want to um, want to use a carbon filter, um, and you can go on Amazon and grab them. That and a fan for I think a combo is probably about 150, 120 bucks or something like that. I don't know. We went to smaller ones. Um, and, and you'll uh, hook that up and put it into the room along with, um, um, you don't necessarily need a ozone generator or anything like that, but if you're just trying to tamp down on some of the, the, the smell that comes from a flowering cannabis plant after about, I don't know, say a week and a half, two weeks, it begins to become pungent to people who aren't, aren't familiar with that smell and they can pick it up. Uh, you'll want to use a, a carbon filter. If you have a larger grow, then you know you'll want to step it up to to a larger filter. And there are a lot of calculations that you can do, or you can find online to to uh, help you with figuring out what's best for your for your grow size. Um, yeah, you hit that on the head. There are a lot of calculations out there, and there are some good calculators that people can find, like when they're looking for the CFMs to to figure out the size of their carbon filters. So. Yeah. Yeah. We actually just had a viewer question come in. Uh, I don't mean to go off this topic, but uh, Jody uh, Churchill Chapin asks, uh, do you all find aerating the water is beneficial? Yeah, absolutely. It's necessary if you're going to be using for hydro, um, and particularly like deep water culture, which is the, the roots are, are in, um, are in uh, suspended in in a nutrient uh, solution, 
and so you'll want to um, aerate it with a, a, a you know air stone and a, a air pump, kind of like a fish tank. And uh, yeah, and and having it, um, you don't have to get too fancy with it. As long as it's uh, it's working, it's clean. You want to make sure it's always clean um, by uh, or working. Um, and you can occasionally clean it, maybe once or twice a month. Um, just dip it into some uh, uh, hydrogen peroxide that might work. Um, but what I use as a cleaning agent I have here is um, something called calcium hypochlorite, which is like bleach. It's like bleach, but um, it has calcium as opposed to sodium because you don't want to use anything like bleach on any of your hydro products or, you know, you don't want salt um, getting into your, your grows at all. So, um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, you just want to clean out with, uh, maybe uh, clean out some ears and uh, take it back out, plug it back in, but make sure you're, it's always aerating your, your systems. But um, I don't know about soil. I don't know if you guys would, I don't think that would be necessary for, for um, a, a soil um, situation though. Uh, anyone else? Long, yeah, as long, in, in my opinion, as long as you're using your water, I mean, if your water is gonna sit out for a week, two weeks, and it potentially could get stagnant, then I would, you know, talk about added air into it. But if you're just gonna have, you know, if you're working with like a couple of gallons of water out of whack for your small home grow, and you're using, you know, either your tap or well water, depending on what you use, um, I don't think you need to stress aeration quite as much, of, and aeration of the water quite as much. Yeah, I agree. It's a little overkill for a small home grow. Mm -hmm. um, one other viewer question that just came in, I want to make sure I get to them all. Uh, this is the last one. This is from uh, Laurel Mitten. And the question is, do any of you have any resources you would recommend for step-by-step -step, uh, instructions? Uh, Laurel says, uh, I feel like we as humans make things harder than things need to be. Uh, something like growing weed for dummies would be wonderful. Uh, so any anything you guys might have that they could read online or something like that. Jorge Cervantes Grow Bible. Yep. Uh, so just to say that clearly, it's the Jorge Cervantes Grow Bible. Yep. Yes. That's exactly what it is. Stay away from the page. That, so it's color-coded sections. Stay away from the sections that talk about disease and pests and everything else. That's just going to make you go crazy. And remember that if you have a problem, 99.9% .9 of the time, it's pH-related. And Ed, I saw you just holding something up that said uh, Grow Weed Easy. Was that it? That's it. It's literally growweedeasy.com, and it breaks everything down from somebody gave you a seed to this is how you cure. All right. Yeah, I definitely use that. Well, I have to say uh, we shot to do this for an hour. Uh, it's been an so many topics of conversation. I know that one thing that someone getting into growing can sometimes feel is that the information is overwhelming. But if there's anything I hope folks will take from what we just learned here today is that it's worth it to give it a shot. And that by giving it a shot, you may well find that this is a hobby or a passion that you didn't even know you had. 
And so uh, this is the Young Jerks. Uh, we're not going to sign off quite yet. I do want to give folks a chance to uh, say their final remarks. But just as a reminder, the Young Jerks has switched uh, to a virtual format. You're going to see a lot more panels like this. Uh, it's not going to be uh, every week. It's uh, 5 p.m. on Sunday. We're going to start having multiple shows per week. Sometimes Grant Smith, I'll be the host. Sometimes the host will be Mike Crawford. Sometimes it'll be Mike and I together. Sometimes the interviews will have five people like today, which was wonderful. Sometimes they'll be one-on-one, -on -one, and it will really just depend on the topic. Uh, so like I said, uh, Young Jerks switched to the new virtual format. Uh, if you have any uh, suggestions for episodes, if you'd like to be on the show, reach out to myself, Grant Smith on Facebook, or Mike Crawford anytime. We'd love to hear your suggestions. Please give us a follow, uh, midnightmass.substack.com, and please follow the Young Jerks podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Anchor, etc. Now, with that out of the way, uh, thank you all so much for being here today. Before we get out of here, I just wanted to offer all of you, just like in the beginning uh, when we did the introductions, a chance to say some final remarks and any information you want to get out there before we head out. I guess I'll, we could, um, well, I could just mention when you're cutting this, your plant down, one thing I am terrible, terrible at doing is um, this is when it's already done. You've um, noticed that it's already done. You can look up when you do some research, you'll figure out when it's, when it's done, is uh, doing a trimming and the curing. Now, that's a very, very critical, critical, I could not stress how important that is, is uh, to do the curing the right way. To prevent from mold and to get a fine uh, product in, in the end that's that's actually actually smokable. So um, I would just make sure that you uh, don't underestimate the importance of that and um, and then drying and curing. Yes, uh, Mike. Um, yeah, just go for it. You know, I I didn't even use nutrients my first time. So if you don't have access to it, I mean, it's almost time for outdoor season. Like you know, go for it. The plant, it's it, its a weed. It'll grow. And uh, be safe. Be well, everybody. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for letting this crash. <laughs> uh, Ed? All right. So, um, yeah, you're going to learn a lot. You're going to have a lot of uh, errors. You're going to correct a lot of stuff. You may grow stuff with seeds, but just don't give up. Um, don't trust anybody that says they know everything there is to know about growing weed. Um, it, it just educate yourself. Just You're going to find that um, what works for somebody else doesn't work for you. So just through trial and error, you're going to get things right. Don't give up. April? Um, yeah, I would just, I guess, reiterate what everybody else said, that it's just go in, just make the leap and just do it. And once you start doing it, you'll find your passion, you'll find your path, you'll find which technique works best for you, which nutrient line does or doesn't work for you, and you'll get there. And I agree with Chauncey, like I said in the beginning, a lot of stuff comes free. When you're out there, you know, right now everything's all shut down, but when all the conventions start back up, go to the conventions, get the samples, you know, you don't have to spend an arm and a leg to get your grow going. Go get the samples, talk to people, go to local meetups, you know, get the samples, try it and see if it works and find your path. Sean? Yeah, so um, it, you're gonna have a lot of fun 
jumping into this and, and growing your own. Uh, when you first start out, uh, the initial upfront cost is going to be a pretty substantial chunk of money uh, for anyone's budget, uh, regardless of how big your grow is going to ultimately be. Uh, don't let that deter you uh, because you will make that money back tenfold uh, in no time. Well, I think that's absolutely true for those of you, especially who have been paying uh, retail price, there is no question that that return is something you're gonna see. Um, so uh, with final remarks here, this is Grant Smith. Uh, thank you all so much for joining us on our trial episode uh, for how things, uh, for the first time uh, doing an episode with multiple guests, this went absolutely flawlessly other than a little hiccup in the beginning. So uh, thank you all for being part of the experiment. Uh, one more thing Mike demanded, Mike didn't even demand, Mike would like me to mention, is that uh, we do have a Venmo now at Mike Crawford TYJ. Uh, we've had to stop paying for our studio. We've started to pay for virtual hosting. So if you can support Mike, please do. Uh, none of the money comes from Big Cannabis. None of it goes to support Big Cannabis. And we won't allow anyone on who is a front for Big Cannabis. So. This has been The Young Jerks, our first special episode. Thank you to Sean Birdie, Avril, and Drade. Did I get it right? Close enough. Close enough. <laughs> Chauncey Spencer, Ed D'Souza, Mike and Beyonce, Bianca Brace, you have all been wonderful. Thank you all for watching, and we'll see you again on The Young Jerks very soon.